Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of the Periodical Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin, and as always, I'm joined by the host of the Rest of Rare Petros Podcast, Tavis. Good good morning for us. I don't know when you're listening, but welcome. (laughs) (laughs) And we're excited to bring you yet another episode. This week, we'll be discussing why renewable energy is a major source for blackouts in California. It's actually covering the information from our weekly periodical, as you know, and as always, we posted it this past Wednesday, August the 26th. So without further ado, let's get into it. Now, for those of our loyal listeners out there, we've not actually covered this so far. I've talked about the heat wave, but not in the context of California. But in case you have missed it, millions of Californians experienced rolling blackouts for the second time in less than a year as residents were denied electrical power during the recent heat wave that struck the state in mid-August. The blackouts come at an incredibly inopportune time when individuals are forced to remain indoors due to the coronavirus pandemic. That's kind of an issue. I don't know about you, Tavis, but if I'm stuck at home and I don't have power, I'm going to be pretty pissed. Oh, yeah, especially if there's wildfires around. It's 100 and something. Yeah, so you kind of brought it up. If you missed the headlines back in October, let me refresh your memory. So back in October, Pacific Gas and Electric, PG&E, had to shut off power to homes all across California to avoid starting forest fires. And then on August 14th, California had to impose more rolling blackouts because it failed to maintain sufficient reliable power from natural gas and nuclear plants, and they didn't pay in advance for enough guaranteed electricity to import from other states. And basically, ultimately, the issue leading to these blackouts stems from the state's climate policies. Basically, an over-reliance on unreliable renewables. Now, I don't know if we're fools for not seeing it this far into the year, not becoming accustomed to 2020, but two blackouts in less than a year is strong evidence that tens of billions of dollars California spent on renewables will come with high human, economic, and environmental costs. I mean, I I couldn't agree more with you, Tavis. I mean, there's been very little electricity generated from wind during the summer with this heat wave since there's been a high-pressure bubble just kind of sitting over California, really most of the western United States, you know, causing all this heat, resulting in low wind. And so the problem is the only, you know, California-supported electricity generation is coming from those solar sources. What's the issue with that? I mean, the solar is basically all used up the very moment when demand for electricity rises, when people are, you know, turning on their air conditionings at night, you know, turn on the TV, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, the intermittency is a huge issue. So before we can kind of get into more of a debate, let's quickly go over some of the details on California's energy policy. So California is one of the states that utilizes what's known as a community choice aggregations. And these CCAs are basically local government entities that procure electricity on behalf of retail customers within a given city, county, or really group of jurisdictions. So what's unique about these entities is each CCA can actually choose their own electricity portfolio. So whether they want to focus on natural gas, nuclear renewables, etc. And as I'm sure it's not surprising to you, in California, all active CCAs procure more renewable energy than it is required by law. So Tavis, you want to take us through what that kind of law is? Oh, it would be my pleasure. Back in 2002, California started their Renewable Portfolio Standard, or RPS, program to promote the use of renewable energy in the state. The program was established by Senate Bill 1078 with the initial requirement that 20% of electricity retail sales must be served by renewable sources by 2017. 
The program was further accelerated in 2015 with SB 350 mandating a 50% renewable portfolio by 2030. And in 2018, SB 100 was signed into law, which increases the renewable portfolio to 60% by 2030 and requires the entire state's electricity to come from carbon-free resources by 2045. Woo-hoo-wee. Yeah, uh, in just a couple years, they essentially doubled the amount of renewables that are required in the state. And then in 2045, it has to come from carbon-free resources. I mean, I know that it kind of seems like, you know, oh, 25 years down the road, that's plenty of time. I think that the timeline of this is just far too fast, especially if we're looking at what just happened, you know, rolling blackouts. People don't have reliable power because the grid isn't built up enough. And I hate to say it, but in 25 years, I don't think an entire state as big as California, as much electricity as they consume, it's going to be able to be appeased by carbon-free sources. Yeah, no, they are just hauling through this timeline. I mean, sure, maybe solar panels by 2045 will be at a level of technology where they can be implemented to support a state, but the infrastructure is going to be really difficult to construct. The old energy sources, well, maybe not for California, are going to be difficult to transition off of. And I mean, if they keep this up, it's only going to get more and more aggressive. So at this point, it's not working out so well for them. So I'd like to see what happens by 2030. Exactly. So now we can kind of start getting into the the debate of everything. And topic number one is going to be, how have these zealous energy policies affected the price of electricity in the Golden State? So... Care to guess? Oh, has it made it super affordable for everybody? Well, I, like many people, (laughs) would assume that the more solar and wind that gets produced, the lower the electricity prices, which makes sense, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, that's the basis of my guess. Yeah, well, that's not the case. So in California, they actually saw their electricity prices rise six times more than the rest (laughs) of the United States from 2011 to 2019. Why? Why? due to its huge expansion of renewables. I, I don't understand this at all. I thought we said in previous podcasts that the price of solar has dropped. Where's this six-time increase coming from? That's why this is so confusing. It has. The price of solar panels has dropped, you know, 90-plus percent in this exact same time frame. So it basically comes down to their unreliable and weather-dependent nature, which imposes large new costs for storage and transmission to keep the electricity more reliable. Now, does that make sense to you? Not at all. Not at all. That makes zero sense, Kevin. (laughs) But believe it or not, the main reason behind the rising prices appears to have been predicted by a a young German economist back in 2013. In a paper for energy policy, Leon Hirth estimated that the economic value of wind and solar power would decline significantly as they became a larger part of energy supply. Why? Well, they're fundamentally unreliable nature. Basically, both solar and wind produce too much energy when societies don't need it and not enough when they do. I mean, it's going to get windier at night, but at night, you've got maybe some lights, the TV on, the fridge running. And during the day, I mean, it's all solar power and less wind, so the intermittency does not match up with the demand well enough to support these people. Yeah, and actually, in in this paper that Leon Hirth published, he actually said that they're so unreliable that wind-dependent places like Germany or Denmark, or I mean, heck, even California, they actually have to pay neighboring nations or states to take their renewable energy when it's in excess. Basically think during, you know, a a sunny, windy day, they're going to produce way more electricity than they're going to need. What do they do with it? They don't have places to just store this. So they basically have to pawn it off on other 
states and they have to pay them to take that electricity. And then on a cloudy, not windy day, they're not going to have enough energy. So they actually have to turn around and again have to pay to import that same energy. It's just, it's a paradox and it's, it's unsustainable and it's precisely the reason electricity prices have soared in the past decade. All right. So you're telling me that places like this don't generate electricity when they need it, generate too much when they don't need it, and sell that so that they can buy electricity when they need it. Yeah. I mean, very confusing, but th- that's exactly right. I mean, so rather than generating it with resources that they have, say, oil in the ground in California or natural gas, they buy it from other people when they choose to not have energy. Exactly. Oops. Okay. I I understand that solar and wind are not totally reliable, but where do these excess costs come from? Well, in 2018, almost one-third of California's electricity supply came from generating facilities outside of the state, facilities that were not in California. And from 2013 to 2017, California was the nation's largest importer of electricity from other states. So, so here's where things get interesting. California has these incredibly aggressive renewable energy standards, you know, 60% by 2030 and by 2045, carbon-free. But if they're importing a third of their electricity, where is it coming from? I'm going to guess not solar and not wind. Yes. I mean, granted, some comes from hydro, especially places like Oregon, when, again, they have too much and they kind of pawn it off. But there's also, they're getting natural gas resources, even coal from other states. So it's basically, they're saying, you know, no carbon, no, you know, non-renewable in the state, but ah, the other states can deal with it and deal with the pollution over there. It just, it, again, it just, the thought process here doesn't make any sense to me. So if I'm a Prius owner in California, you're going to tell me that it's pretty likely that I'm charging my car with natural gas? Yeah, probably. (laughs) So let's look at some numbers really quick. Natural gas in the state of California, it still produces the most electricity in the state at about 43%, but renewables are right behind currently at about 33%. The problem with that number is the fact that 14% of all of California's electricity and 43% of the renewable portfolio comes from solar sources. That makes sense. California's pretty sunny, right? Actually, not really. So in many places, including, say, you know, Long Beach, I've been there plenty of times before. Yeah, I have beautiful sunny days there. But actually, they have less than 160 sunny days per year on average. So the result, it's unreliable sources of electricity when individuals need electricity. It's not like the other 200 days a year, they're just going to say, eh, I won't turn on my air conditioning or, you know, lights today yeah 160 days out of the year you'd think that a state that is so heavily dependent on renewables would have maybe more than half of the year be totally sunny so we talked about the unreliable power grid but what actually caused the blackouts that california's experiencing so we kind of touched on this in the beginning so last october it was wildfires but this time put plain and simple more power was demanded than could be supplied so on friday august 14th there is actually what's called an electricity reserve deficiency at peak usage time around 7 p.m. So the data showed that demand was at 46,777 megawatts, which was far higher than the system could supply at the time. I don't know much, but that doesn't seem like a whole lot. That's the thing. It, it really wasn't. Last night, in fact, the state was pegged out around 48,000 megawatts, and the historic peak is right around 50. 
And so basically what happened is there were two power plants that were offline. There was limited wind because there hadn't been much wind generation in the past week or so. And there was no additional power being supplied from solar sources and add those all together. The grid couldn't keep up with electricity demand after the sun went down. And so the California Independent System Operator directed utility companies to conduct rotating power outages in order to relieve strain on electrical power grid. And according to an official statement, Pacific Gas and Electric Company was directed by California Independent System Operator to turn power off up to approximately 200,000 to 250,000 customers at a time in rotating power outages, giving the strain on the power grid during the statewide heat wave. Clearly, there is an over-reliance, a dependence on renewable grid and capable of providing enough electricity to meet demand in California. I mean, it seems like they're just shooting themselves in the foot. Yeah. Rotating voluntary power outages? I don't think it's voluntary. I think it's just <laughs> if your house got selected, sorry, you don't get power for... Oh, yeah, not voluntary for the citizens, voluntary by the state. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And <laughs> Voluntold. Exactly, and that's the problem. You know, they were told it was only going to be two to three hours, but some people had their power out for four, five, six hours. I mean, think about... Us, in our situation, yeah, we're in the office today, but say we had to be at home working from home. You're not going to have, you know, Wi-Fi to connect to your phone calls. You're not going to have, you know, power to run your computer. It just, it's times like these where having an unreliable grid, it's incredibly, you know, frustrating and honestly just not okay. I mean, there's, like you said, an over-reliance on a grid that's incapable of providing enough electricity. And like we said... Renewable resources are able to keep up and, I mean, heck, sometimes even outpace demand when the sun is shining and the wind is blowing. But what about when nature doesn't cooperate? That's when people actually begin to suffer. And I don't know about you, Tyvis, but that's just alarming. I mean, think about it like this. People are forced to stay inside and they don't have power. I mean, that to me, it's just BS. I see why there's so much unrest in California. I mean... At the very basis, electricity is a service that customers pay for, and I damn well hope that they're not paying for these outages. We have an infrastructure developed well enough that customers expect power to be available at any given point, regardless of outside forces. All right, so let's talk about so immediate solutions and then future solutions for what just happened. So what do you think they did immediately? Oh, what, U.S. state government? Uh, let me guess, nothing? Yeah, pretty much. So all that Governor Gavin Newsom, so the, the governor of California, did is appoint a new top aide. It was actually his cabinet secretary, Anna Matasantos, as his new, quote, energy czar. And then what he wants her to do is lead a, a group called his energy strike team to release an outline on basically how utilities need to change to meet modern challenges and he wants that in the coming weeks. But really, the only actual action that he took is he waived the state's emission standards to allow businesses, and well, utilities too, to run fossil fuel generators that basically, so you can meet your electricity needs. So kind of like you said, Tavis, an ice cream shop that needs to keep their ice cream cold. They're allowed to have an, uh, basically gas or diesel powered generator to make sure that they can keep up and keep their business open. Good. I, I want those small businesses to be able to operate and not have the only barrier of continuing being a gas generator. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So those were the only immediate solutions. And then future solutions. So actually, Gavin Newsom said on August 17th, while ordering regulators to pull out all stops so that to make sure that we can keep power on, that, quote, 
These blackouts, which occurred without prior warning or enough time for preparation, are unacceptable and unbefitting of the nation's largest and most innovative state. This cannot stand. End quote. So clearly they want to do something, but I mean, Tavis, we just discussed this. Do you think that means rolling back those RPS standards or are they going to try and push forward with it? I just I could see him trying to justify moving forward saying, look, we need more renewable. So really it's up in the air at this point. It's just it. I feel like the people of California, I mean, and even the governor, they're in they're in this kind of weird bind here. They find themselves trying to decide, you know, what's more important, keeping the lights and, well, I mean, air conditioning and a heat wave on or B, pushing towards a carbon-free future. I mean, it's it's incredible. I mean, think about this. The bind is so bad that last December, a report released by PG&E concluded that utility customers could see blackouts double over the next 15 years in quadruple over the next 30 if the state continues on its aggressive push towards a carbon-free future. Ooh, so it's going to get worse, huh? Well, yeah. I mean, clearly, I they're only at 33% right now here in 2030. They're supposed to double that in the next 10 years, and then in the next 15 beyond that, get all the way up to 100. I mean, it's just right now, the technology is not there. The no. infrastructure is not there. No. It's, I mean, even think about it this way. It's actually going to get worse in the winter. I mean, in the winter in California, it's more cloudy. There's less wind. So in the winter, when cloud cover is more common, solar electricity generation is going to fall. And even with the project they're working on right now called Solar Plus, which is basically additional battery storage, A, it's an incredibly expensive attempt to fix the problems that led to this blackout. But B, it's not going to help if there's just low output from solar. So I think that the winter is going to be really telling on the future of these policies because that's really when that solar demand, which accounts for 14% of their electricity generation mix, is going to just drop off the face of the earth. Basically, the California government is forcing carbon-based forms of electricity generation out of their state long before the infrastructure is ready, and people are suffering the consequences. So what's going to happen? Prices are going to keep going up since they are planning on shutting down their last power plant in 2025. So let's, let's note that's actually a nuclear power plant, but still, that is a huge portion of their electricity generation mix, and they're going to shut it down and try and move to more solar and more wind. It just, I don't know. I personally have a plan for them. Would you like to hear what it is? Oh, please tell me. All right. I think they have three options. Option one, keep that nuclear plant operating. I think that's bare minimum what you need to do. It's already running. It's not causing issues. Just keep it running. Option two, build more natural gas plants. So they actually today released a statement saying that they're going to allow two nuclear or sorry, natural gas power plants to remain operational for the near term because they're having so much issues with the reliability of solar and wind. Um, But then number three, they're going to have to pay escalating prices annually to receive emergency electricity supplies from their neighbors. So option one, free just keep it keep it operational option two kind of pricey build more natural gas plants also completely against what they're trying to do or option three continue on this path towards a carbon-free future and then have to pay even more in electricity because you're getting it from your neighbors i think that is a great plan i mean the best part about this to me is that you give them options options one two and three they can even mix them no energy solution or energy source is going to be all encapsulating they all have their strengths they all have their drawbacks While there is emissions from the use of natural gas, 
There's a big energy density and it's easy to use and it's in the state right there. It is sunny sometime out of the year, so use solar too. Why keep the nuclear plant shut down? Open that back up. There's so many solutions out there that they can use that would prevent these rolling blackouts. It seems pretty stupid that people are having to experience this. So something that I think is pretty funny, uh, some stat that I found online is actually they estimate if California had spent about $100 billion on nuclear instead of what they spent on wind and solar in the past approximately decade, they already would have had enough energy to replace all fossil fuels in the state, basically appeasing the carbon-free goal set for 2045, and they already would have got there. But instead, they've been pushing so heavily the wind and solar that they've abandoned nuclear entirely. So luckily, though, Newsom has acknowledged the gaps in reliability in the state's transition to renewables. So kind of like they say, that's step one, right? You admit you have a problem. <laughs> well, and to address that problem, they have plenty of solutions on the table. It's just going to be a matter of picking one. If renewable electricity generation sources for the grid were reliable enough to sustain the energy necessary to power the entire state, a shutdown would have never occurred. Yeah, I just, they're trying to generate 33% of their portfolio with renewable right now. It's clearly not working. They just had blackouts for millions of customers. That to me, number one, is not okay. Number two, how do you expect to triple that in 20 years Especially if you're solely relying on renewables. I mean, we just talked about this. If you're relying on nature, what if you have crazy bad weather for an entire year? Just customers not supposed to go with electricity for an entire year? It, it, I just don't see how this is sustainable into the future. Yeah, of course not. I don't think that they'll completely get rid of their goals, but I think they will likely reevaluate that timeline. Or, or at the very easiest. least, yeah kind of maybe make it more of a, a broad energy portfolio. Maybe instead of just focusing on only renewables, maybe they say, okay, um, kind of like you said, instead of by 2045, it being totally carbon-free, how about we push that to 2050 and then say from 2045 to 2050, only 5% can come from you know coal or natural gas. And you know what the best part of that solution is? You technically don't have to admit that you were wrong. So it gives a great out to all of the politicians in California. Exactly. And by California taking steps to mandate a future towards clean energy, progress is being made, but it's at the expense of the public. And so I just think that the journey towards a renewable future is going to be more difficult than really what they expected. All righty, folks, that wraps up this week's episode. So make sure to leave us some comments on what you liked, didn't like, want to see change, suggestions for future episodes, anything. Just let us know. If you don't want to make public comments on any of our hosting platforms or you want to reach out to me directly, you can do so by emailing us at podcast at rarepetro.com. And if you liked the content in what Tavis and I were talking about, if you go online to our published periodical, there's a little bit more in-depth analysis, some figures, some actual numbers that you can really dive into this topic a little bit more. Um, and while you're there, definitely you know subscribe to us, check out what we've been posting Tavis does a great job keeping us updated on what goes on every weekend with his Monday Madness podcast. The two of us try and, you know, keep you up to date on our base and breakdown. And actually, Tavis just released a new podcast series with uh, Jeffrey Can that you should definitely check out. Super informative, high energy, real fun. So definitely give that a look. Of course. And until we see you next time, take care, everybody. Varvel. <laughs>